This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ, as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you, and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. Psalms chapter 24 is where we're going to be drawing from here tonight just to begin with. Psalm chapter 24. And then Luke chapter 9 is where I'm going to go to next. But beginning in Psalm chapter 24. Amen. While you're turning there, I just want to make sure to, to, to mention and say thank you to those who, are, who have helped in our children's ministry on Wednesday nights, um, that, that there are some folks that are in here now that switch on and off, and so there are some that are in the uh, classroom that are just down the hall over there that are helping out in children's ministry, and we're very grateful for that. And um, and it's it's we're grateful also because as adults sometimes we need to dig into the word, and uh, and children can sometimes detract from that. We don't want to just put them in a corner. Children can be mighty in God, but sometimes that can help, that can draw our attention. Sometimes, if I can maybe just be a little helpful tonight, sometimes we also invite children to be distracting. Because I don't want it. I don't want that to touch my heart today. So I'm just going to pay attention to the kids. I'll hold your baby for you. I'll I'll take them to the bathroom for you because I don't want that to speak to me. So I'll just I'll just be distracted by that. Nobody here has ever done that. But um, okay, Psalm 24, verse number one: The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. Okay. Was that you? <laughs> well, let's start over, shall we? This is great. Somebody asked me today, is tonight's Bible study going to be recorded and put on the website? And I was like, I don't know, probably, I don't know. And now I'm thinking, I hope not. Like, this, let's just, anyway. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Verse number three, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. Last week, we talked about the fig tree and Jesus coming into Jerusalem and the events surrounding the fig tree. We're taking a step back tonight and talking about his approach from Bethany into Jerusalem, a 17-mile journey that he took by donkey. Now, has anybody here ever worked with donkeys? And I don't mean in a figurative sense. I mean in a literal sense. Okay. Some of you are like, oh, I guess I can't. Like, no. Okay, we have a couple. <laughs> like, I've worked with, you've worked with donkeys? Yeah. And, and they're, I think they're some of the coolest looking animals. 
because they're just goofy, like, yeah, totally dopey and just like, they go at their own pace. <laughs> it's like, what kind of, it, it's like the platypus of, of, of equine, I don't know, it's just this, this misfit animal that made it onto the ark by accident, maybe. I don't know. But there it is. <laughs> like, it was too stubborn to get off the ark. So, like, I guess we're just sticking with these. So, um, <laughs> but they, if you've ever worked with mules or donkeys, they, 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 they're stubborn. They are stubborn. They do what they want. That you cannot get them to change their mind. But the pace that they work at is why I like them so much. High stamina, but a, but a nice, slow pace. Consistent. That's, I love that. They're not sprinters. I mean, they'll run a little bit, but then they'll just stop. And then they, they just go at their own pace. Jesus, as he's riding this long journey from Bethany to Jerusalem, 17 miles, is just going at, his own, going at the pace of a donkey. It's nice and slow. Low to the ground. For those of you that like to smoke meat, low and slow. That's what he was doing. And it was this accessible Jesus. Not high up on a, on a stallion with a chariot and fanfare. But it was, the, it was the people that were this fanfare coming in. It was the people that made the noise for Jesus' entry. We're his people. Let me just say this. Um, sometimes as God's people, we're waiting for the fanfare in order to announce our king. We wait for the right events in life to take place or somebody or the music team to do something or, or we wait for the right song to come on or, or we wait for somebody else to do some cheering on. But the reality is that your you're Jesus' fanfare. You're his, you're his crowd. You're, you're part of the crowd. You're, you're the initiators of this. We are. We are together. And Jesus is coming in, and all of the people have an expectation as he's ascending up into Jerusalem. With one accord, they have this, this expectation. He has his mindset he has, and, and notice what, what's happening here, is, as, and we'll, we'll get into some of the scriptures, but notice what's happening as Jesus is coming and he's making his way into Jerusalem, that you have different people that are watching what is happening and responding in different ways. This is fulfillment of prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. 
That's some pretty powerful language when you think of what that's speaking to in the people of those days and that, how that really resonates with us. But what, where that begins, it begins with saying rejoice, but not just rejoice. It says rejoice greatly. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. It's, it's that capturing and using the, the tool that you were born with, your voice, using that to welcome him in. You, we all have voices. And just a little bit ago when I said, okay, everyone, let's just kind of find our seats, it was this, this chorus of conversation that was taking place. And that's one of the reasons why we start a little bit later on Wednesday nights is because part of church is talking to each other. Part of church is community. Part of church is just connecting with somebody that you haven't talked to for a while. That's part of church. Not just the, the song and the sermon, the offering and the closing. Like that's, that's all other parts, but part of it is the community that takes place. And so we all have our voices and the command or the directive in Scripture that we find in Zechariah is a directive to rejoice greatly and shout. To ca- take that voice that you have and put it to use. Put it to use for the right reason, for the right cause. Over the last couple of years, what we have seen and what we continue to see is movements in our world that are capturing people's lives and, and taking their voices to use them for their own purpose. Marching in the streets and shouting in the streets for a cause. And you could, you, for just causes or uncauses alike, it, it's really just kind of all the same. It's, it's taking, we need your voice. We need your voice. We need your voice. We, we, we won't be silent. We will be heard. You're going to hear our voice. Mr. President, Mr. Governor, you're going to hear our voice, our voice, our voice, our voice. That's been the refrain over the last, well, it's been a refrain for, for, for decades, but over the last couple of years especially, it's coming out, it's been more and more and more. You're going to hear our voice, you're going to hear our voice, for, for various causes that there are. Ironically, though, one of the things that can happen to the people of God is that our voice can be wrapped up in other, other people's causes. And what's so interesting is sometimes we can get really wrapped up in other causes, but when it comes to the king coming back, I guess we'll kind of wait and see how this plays out. I think, I think I'll just be off here in the corner, and maybe I'll just kind of watch and see, see where this thing goes. I, I, I don't want us to be like that. I want to maybe help us here tonight and to, and to say, don't let your voice be co-opted by something else. But let, let your voice, let your voice be used to celebrate the soon coming king. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. And when he returns, he, put, he brings judgment. And do you know what judgment means? It doesn't just mean judgment of our souls in like heaven or hell. But judgment means like justice and setting things right. We have people that are trying to set things right. And p- humanity can't set things right. We're off on the wrong foot because of our fallen nature. 
Our nature just kind of puts us off on the wrong foot. And so, so humanity does its very best in corruption to set things right, but we can't. But, but Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back to set things right. Like all the wrongs that have ever been, every wrong that's ever happened to you, and every wrong that's ever been in this world, Jesus is coming to set things right. And when he, when, when he comes, I know we're going to be rejoicing, but what this tells us here is it's rejoice before he gets there. Like rejoice before it happens. That our voices can't be co-opted. Our voices can't be taken by, by this world. We, don't let it happen to you. So he approaches the city as he has his face set towards Jerusalem. The disciples bring him a donkey. And in Matthew chapter 21, I know we said we were going to read from Luke, but for the sake of time, I'm kind of just moving forward from that. Matthew chapter 21 Verse number six. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set him, set Jesus on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Imagine that sight. Like that, that actually happened. They were cutting trees, branches from trees down. Palm branches. They were cutting branches from trees down and putting them on the road. And they were taking their cloaks and their coats and their garments and laying them on the road, creating a pathway it's it's laying and surrendering, just laying everything down and saying, right this way, Jesus. Come on in, right this way. Go ahead and ascend the hill into our Jerusalem. Like, because for them, Jerusalem was the center of their world. It was where everything happened. And in our world today, the center of our world is us. <laughs> it's not Minneapolis. It's not Washington, D.C. I hope it's not Washington, D.C. If that's the center of your world, you are in a black hole. Like, (laughs) get out. (laughs) You can make it, but you got to go now. (laughs) The center of our world, for many people, is, is us, is our lives. When, when we... Do you remember those stimulus checks that, every, that, that everyone was, like, so excited about getting? That, we didn't, that, our, that our children and grandchildren are going to be paying for? Remember those stimulus checks? Church, I'm not going to lie to you. I looked at every one of my kids, five kids. I was like, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. You're a mess, but I love you. <laughs> like, thank you. Come on. Come on. Let's go check the mail together. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> now go to your room, you know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of you missed the boat. Sorry, you know. 
Maybe next pandemic. No, um, so I shouldn't joke. Uh, <laughs> oh, we, I'm going to get fired. Um, no, so, <laughs> so what happened, what was so interesting is the, the language that I begin to hear from people re- regarding those, that, that money, um, you could think about that politically however you want. I'm not going to get into that tonight, but the language turned into this. It turned into, where's my money? It's like, it's like, it's like your money? Where's, where's my money? Where's my, get, get, or, or people that take advantage of, of others, they say, get your money. It's your money. Y- it's your money. You deserve it. Right. Because the center of the world of our culture, the spirit of our times is that the center of the world is, 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 is ourselves. Now, the church, as a church, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we actively push against that, and we make the center of our world Jesus Christ. And the best way to make the center of your world Jesus Christ is to have him indwelling your heart and sitting on the throne of your heart so that it's not just an external Jerusalem. It's here. It's here. So as they're ascending into Jerusalem and Jesus is riding on this, this donkey, it's, it, it, it's, it reminds me in the Old Testament um, where, we read, let me, where we read in Psalm 74, or I'm, so, I'm sorry, Psalm 24, where we started out here, here tonight in Psalm 24, where it said, uh, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and all that all they that dwell therein. Verse number four: He has he that has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted his uh, his soul unto um, vanity nor sworn deceitfully. That's who may ascend the hill of the Lord. But it, it reminds us in this passage where we continue to read in that chapter, verse seven. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. See, Jesus was making the way to the center of their world. And they were, they were preparing the way. They were proactively making the way ready for Jesus to come in. They, they weren't coming behind Jesus with their cloaks and their branches saying, well, we'll just keep following and we'll hope that he makes it there. They were saying, nope, this is the way. We want you all the way in Jerusalem. We don't want you to stop part way. We want you all the way to the center of our world. So lift up you gates. Lift up you gates and be lifted up you everlasting doors. The king of glory shall come in. Then the question is asked in Psalm 24, verse number 8, Who is this King of glory? Who is this King of glory? Who, who, who is this? Who is this King, they asked. Well, it's the Lord. Strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. 
And it's repeated in that song, that psalm, that it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful poem or song that says, again, lift up your heads, O ye gates, lift up your everlasting door, and the King of glory shall come in. And it's repeated again, the question, who is this King of glory? As, as the gatekeepers are shouting down to those that are asking them to open them up, who is this King of glory? And the response is given back, the Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. He is the King of glory. When Jesus entered into Jerusalem, the crowd was stirred. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 6, we read about how the disciples did as he commanded. And when, they were, and when he was on the road, uh, they cut down branches and spread their cloaks and the branches on, on the road for him, preparing the way. But as you continue reading in verse 9, it says, The multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The Bible says in verse 10 that when he came and when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Who is this? It's, like, it's just like that psalm. Who is this king of glory? Who, who, who is this that's trying to enter in? They said, well, who is this? What's all this fanfare about? What's all this excitement about? Who, 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 who could this possibly be for? Who's this new king? Or, or what's, this, what's this person coming in that, that, that all this big parade and all this excitement is here for? Who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. The Bible says that in that verse 10 in Matthew 21, 10, it says when he came into Jerusalem that the city was moved. That word moved in the Greek is isythe, derived from the word seismos which suggests, which is where we get seismic or earthquakes from. That the, the, the city was so moved that it was, that it was shaking. It was, it was just the electricity in the air, yeah, but the city was shaking. So much so that when in Luke chapter 19 and verse 39, when the Pharisees called for Jesus, it called to him from the crowd and said, Teacher, rebuke the, your disciples, it was shaking so much so that Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Do you think of like how dynamic that is? Maybe you've been to sporting events. You've been to, to Viking Stadium. You know, there's not much to shake about there. Um, been to Lambeau Field, and uh, it's shaking because it's so old. And, uh, but, but, but with, but with um, heritage and, and, uh, and, and, and those titles, and those titles that are so important that just like the rest of this world are going to burn, 
<laughs> anyway, I, I, just, I don't know. <laughs> right, you've been to things, you've been to, you've been to, you've been to things in the world where, where it's shaking with excitement. Some of you, some of you have seen presidents before, and the crowd is just, like, it's pretty exciting to, to, to see a president. Like, I've seen a president before, and I go, like, I kind of want to know. I'm like Zacchaeus. I'm trying to climb trees. I'm trying to, I just want to see him. That's pretty, celebrities, actors and actresses or singers, and, and we're here tonight at church, we're like, no, I would never get excited about that. That's not for me. I mean, it could be for someone else, but this wouldn't be excited for me. Yeah. Or maybe we do this, okay, for you spiritual people. Like, you go to a conference, and you see your favorite preacher. And you're just like, he's right there. <laughs> this hand shook Brother Bernard's hand. I'm never going to wash it again. Well, then you'll never ascend to Jerusalem. Clean hands and a pure heart. Anyway, um, <laughs> like we, we start to get a little starstruck, and we start to kind of shake a little bit out of excitement because the humanity and the influence and sometimes the authority that people have, we kind of go, oh, this is pretty cool. It's a pretty big deal. And what Scripture's telling us, I mean, we're reading in this story is that Jesus is coming. And he's ascending to you and to me. Like, he's ascending into our hearts. And, and he's saying, well, you open up the gates and just let me in. And, and we, we kind of do this thing where we go, I, I don't really know if I really want to let him in. And, and who, who is, like, Jesus, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do in my life? Like, You've been to Jerusalem. You've been here before. You've been in my heart before, and you've you've done things before in my life. But but I don't really know if I'm ready for that this time. And and the Lord is is saying, no, I'm coming in not just to not just to do to visit. I'm coming in to complete a work in your life, to do a complete work in your life, to go to to go all the way and to clean the whole thing out, and to occupy your heart. To tear down every wall, to tear down the veil, like we know the story, right? Like to 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 do away with all of the false religion that we have in our lives, that that we go through the motions but never seem to advance. Like the Lord is coming in to do all that work in our lives, but it requires from us a it, it requires a couple things. One is lifting up your gate and letting him in. You're like, well, I let him in last week. Good. Good for you. Good for you. Well, I let him in this morning. Great. It's great. Good. I'm glad. But behold, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm back. Because <laughs> his goodness and his mercy will follow you like you can't get away. He's just going to keep following you. He is persistent in his love for you and the work that he wants to do in your heart. But the other thing that this requires from us, not just the lifting up of our gates, but I wholly believe that it also requires the use of our voice. And 
if we were to, if you were to raise your hand here tonight, how many of you would would be brave enough to say that you don't like the way that you sound when you listen to yourself? It's, it's almost all of us. And and there's a couple in here that are like, they're like. Jesus made it this way, so I don't like what he made. You know, like I or I like what he made, so I'm not gonna complain about what Jesus made. I can I can go with you on that. But the vast majority of us, including the person standing right here, which may seem ironic because you sure do hear my voice a lot, but <laughs> ha ha ha. But the point is like the vast majority of us don't like how we sound when we're recorded and it's played back to us. We we don't like that. That's why when we say, uh, here, you got something to say, you want to testify, here's the microphone. Some of you say, I don't need the microphone, when you clearly do. You just don't like the sound of your voice. Or <laughs> I used to do this. I don't do it any longer. I used to do this where I would record um, my wife saying something, and she didn't know about it. And you know, it's like, it's like, Invest in a really comfortable couch. That's all I'm just pay the money and just invest in it. I'm just teasing. I've never slept on the couch. We don't we don't we don't do that. Except for when I had COVID. But uh <laughs> but I, I'd play I'd play it back and, and that that was not good. <laughs> that was an early lesson. <laughs> and it only took once. Um so <laughs> We don't like the sound of our voice. But sometimes we're sure to have a lot to say. Should we pray right now? You say, I, I, I don't like the sound of my voice, but... Uh, Boy, I sure do say it a lot. I sure do have, I sure use it a lot. <laughs> oh, no, no. Just move. Should we close? Should we close? Musicians, I guess, might help us out. Like, should we just close with this tonight? We want to help us tonight. Because it's out of the abundance of our heart. When, when you speak, it's not what goes in to you that defiles you. It's, it's what is it's in your heart and proceeds from you. It's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Um, maybe in the the new the new version of scripture, we could update it, not to add to scripture because I do not want to do that. But we could update it to say, out of the abundance of the tapping of our thumbs. If you don't know what I mean by that. <laughs> I can type a whole lot on here. But I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying it. 
but it's proceeding from us. I've never heard God's audible voice, but I sure have read a lot of what He said. And what comes from us. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Well, that seems pretty simple, doesn't it? What, what did, um, what's the lesson? Complete this phrase. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> <Did you? laughs> or as some would say, <laughs> never mind. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah, hold your peace. Um, that's that vow of silence that some of us would be taking. On, especially on some days. And, and I'm not, this is not me throwing dirt at anybody. This is me just trying to help us. Because the Lord is ascending into Jerusalem. And we're like, Lord, I got truth. So I can rejoice over here. And Lord, I've, I've, I, I, I've got... Uh, I, I've got some knowledge, and I can rejoice over that over here. And, Lord, I, I, I'm trying to model holiness, you know, outwardly anyway. I don't know. But, like, I'm okay. So I've got that checked. And he's, he's kind of like, oh, yeah, but he's working through the city, and he's getting to the center of it, and he's getting to our hearts because what you say matters. And in Jerusalem that day, there was one group of, of people that were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And there was another group that was saying, he's here. He's going to take all of our power. He's going to take all the people. And we have to kill Jesus. We have to stop him. There was another group that was saying, keep them quiet. Suppress the crowd. Tell your followers to be quiet. Tell them to be quiet. They're all in the same environment. They're all in the same atmosphere. But from their mouths were coming opposite things. Because in, in the heart, in the heart, in the heart, something was not yet dealt with. They didn't lift the gates to let Jesus in there. They didn't lift the gates to let the Lord begin to talk to them in their hearts there. Ephesians 4.29, I began to read that and stopped short intentionally. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth or no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But it doesn't just stop there. We say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all and just leave it open-ended. But this doesn't stop. It keeps going and it says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I don't just want to be quiet. I want to find something that helps somebody. I don't just want to hold my peace because this stony heart will cry out for me in the presence of a holy God. 
No, I want to lift up the gates, let him in, and let him do a work on our hearts. So then what proceeds out of our mouth doesn't match this, this heart of mine. It matches the one who sits on its throne. James chapter 1. James speaks about the tongue and the power of the tongue in a very, I think, a very profound way. And this, this would just be a fun Bible study to have. Uh, well, fun anyway. I don't know. But it says this, James one twenty six. If, if, if any man among you seem to be religious, or if there's anyone who considers themselves to be religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, that man's religion is vain. Deceiving your own heart. That means that what comes out of your tongue doesn't match what's in your heart. And as Christians, we can be really good at this. I know I'm being a little mean tonight. I'm being a little mean to somebody. I'm stepping on some toes or I'm supposed to be uplifting. Um, and I want to be. But it can only be uplifting if we're honest. Right? Like, it can really only be uplifting if part of us dies. <laughs> You're like, I don't like this message tonight. I, yeah, I don't either. Because my humanity doesn't like it. Our humanity doesn't like this. It doesn't like that our, that our tongue is an unruly fire. Not only is it an unruly fire, but it, it sets the world on fire and brings hell, James says. Like, like hell. Like, it un, like our tongues unleash hell on earth. And the devil's so bad. But it's our tongue. And it's our hearts. So when the Lord takes the throne of your heart, we wonder why the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. It's the most unruly member. And the Lord takes the throne of your heart. He says, I'm going to need that. <laughs> and because we're so embarrassed about what we sound like, we don't want to, we don't want to proclaim it. We don't want to let it out. But when you don't care, when you don't care, and it's, not, it's not, not caring because there's a chip on our shoulder. It's, not, it's, it's about not caring because I know who Jesus is. And I'm not just waiting for him to do something so I can get on board with his cause. I'm, I'm setting up the branches in the clothes on the way, saying, come on, Jesus, this is going to hurt. <laughs> I'm not going to like this. It's, it's going to cause some, something to me to die. But you know what, Jesus, go ahead. Go ahead. Come on in. I need this. I need, the, I need this. I need you to come into to, to this, this place right here. And I need, I need you to, I need to be crucified with, with Christ. As it says in Galatians, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me.
the tongue, the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 simply says, The tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 20.19, oh, I don't know if I really want to read this one. <laughs> it's in the words. Is this all right, Lee? I got one amen. That's all I need. Everyone else could be saying, oh, my, but I got one amen. I don't, I don't hear anything else. That's all I hear, one amen. That's all I need right now. <laughs> Proverbs 20:19 underline this in your bibles a gossip betrays a confidence <laughs> so avoid anyone who talks too much <laughs> I didn't say that I heard, I, I did say, he said that. I'm not, <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> Leviticus 19 and 16. I'm almost done here tonight, so you're almost, uh, you're almost done with this. This uh, lashing. <laughs> Leviticus nineteen sixteen. If here we go, old Old Testament here tonight as well. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. Another version says, don't go about about spreading slander among people. And it links with it, that verse there links with it about slander. It links with it, don't stand against the blood of thy neighbor. What that means is don't do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I'm not sure entirely what to draw from this, but the fact that these are right next to each other. Don't slander. Don't endanger. You know what slander will do to somebody? Puts them in danger. We're all about being safe. Being safe. Being safe. Wear a mask. Get the shot. You know, like, or don't. I don't, but like, be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Got to be safe. Everywhere you go, you're not, you got to be safe. And if you don't wear a mask, you're not safe. And if you're not safe, what does that mean? You're dangerous. That's what that means. I just read an article today that talked about the most dangerous group in America right now that's growing. And you know what it was? It wasn't, it wasn't the KKK. It wasn't, it wasn't gangs coming across uh, borders. And I'm not saying everybody that comes across the borders is involved in a gang. Stop doing that to me. But you know what it said? It was moms that stand for liberty in the education system. Mothers that stand for liberty in the education system. Saying it's the, it, I read an article today saying that it's the most dangerous and, and fastest growing group in America. Danger to what? I, I guess I don't really know. You know, but 
So there's this idea of danger and safety that we've gotten mixed up in our minds. But let me just, let me just help us out here with what Scripture says. Because script, Let's just focus on this for a second. Scripture says that when you slander, you endanger. Slander leads to danger. And what we say about our neighbors, our brothers, our sisters... It's not just people in the church, by the way. Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? It's everyone. It's, it's everyone. The, the parable was given about the, the good Samaritan. He, he ended up being the neighbor to the one who was beaten and bruised on the street. And it had nothing to do with the church, although, yes, we want to we to, to show grace to each other as well. But sometimes we'll do this. Sometimes we'll have, and I've said this before, we'll have more grace on people we don't know and less grace with people that we do. I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. I'll have more grace on strangers than my own children. It's because I can't, you know... Uh, pray for them in that way that I want to. Like, I can't. But, like, we'll have more grace on other people just because they haven't, they haven't hurt us yet. Okay, well, never mind. Scripture is just giving us a little guidance here. Don't go about spreading slander about people. Don't do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. And then it ends that verse like with, with a profound ending, I am the Lord. And the, the reason that, what that when you see that, especially in the law, what, what it's doing is it's putting an emphasis. It's like sealing, searing it in there, saying, don't forget who told you this. The Lord, this isn't just like, this is kind of what we do around here. No, it's not about church culture. This is God. And he's searing it in and he's saying, don't forget, I'm telling you. Watch this. Amen. Everyone feeling good tonight? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand together. Let's just do that. Let's just stand together. All right. So you're probably asking yourself, why, what, why did tonight just happen to us? <laughs> like, what happened? I think we, for the most part, we probably are familiar with the story of Palm Sunday. I think for the most part, and we'll talk about it on Sunday morning. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to Sunday morning. What I would challenge you to do, actually, is to come to church on Sunday morning like they did, for, like they did in Jerusalem, from Bethany to Jerusalem, just ready to praise, ready to rejoice. Go ahead and come. Get, get, you, get, get ready. And before the music team or the preaching ever gets you to that point where you want to, just, I'm ready. I enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and I'm ready. I'm already coming in with praise. Great. Do that. Do that. Let's keep doing those things. But, there's, but I also want to make sure in our hearts, this world and your deceitful heart 
wants to co-opt your language and your voice for causes that are not his. So while we're worshiping, and while, and while there was one group that was saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Just a couple, just, a, just like a day later, they were saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Because there was a part of them that said, I want this. But there was another part that says, I don't want all that. Let's not find ourselves guilty where we say, I want all this. This is great. But don't go there, Lord. Don't go there. Let's just say, Lord, whatever you want. That, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death. Because when you're conformed to his death, you're conformed to his resurrection. And that's what we need. Not a partial resurrection not just a, a zombie walking around having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, but fully restored humanity while we're on this earth. Amen. Let's pray together tonight. Heavenly Father. <laughs>